reading tonight from Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Give you a little insight on how preachers think. They think about that next message that's coming up. Sometimes it's for a few days or a couple of weeks or whatever. So I was looking at this verse, verses, probably two weeks ago or so, and then this morning I watched the Sunday school lesson for the children. Guess what the lesson was? Creation. What a pre prelude. It was great. They did a great job. So we're on the same page here with the Sunday school department. That's good. I think that's good, isn't it? God is our creator. He created everything. He created it all. Man makes things, but God creates things. There's a big difference. If you're going to bake a pie, you need some kind of fruit, I suppose, if it's an apple pie, and I suppose you need sugar. Do they have sugar in pies? Maybe they do. Probably flour. That's as far as I can go, because I don't know what you put in a pie. But I know the finished product is good. You like the finished product, so usually somebody is talented to bake a pie, but they bake it from things that God created. God invented it. He was the first inventor. He started the clock at the Garden of Eden. I don't know whether he contacted Adam and said, Adam, go push the button, start the first clock. This is the beginning of time, and from now on it begins in the garden. He created these he created Adam, and then, of course, from the rib of Adam, he, he created a woman, made him a woman out of, out of a rib. Miracle. We don't want, don't want to discount the miracles of the Bible that, that God performs miracles. It's repetitious. It's so repetitious that you might take it for granted, but we don't want to take it for granted because God is in the miracle business, and, and creation is a pretty awesome miracle. Put together this incredible planet that we are living on, and, and all of it came together in six days. That's a miracle. Sometimes you take out to build a house, and you go through the permit process, which is probably a big hassle these days. And you go through all of that, and you want the contractors to be there on time. They're never on time. 
But they, they're supposed to be there on time. Dig the hole and uh, uh, put in the footings and, and all that they have to do to build a house. It's quite a project. It's, it's frustrating. And when, when you're, especially when you're not a builder, but you're the observer and kind of the guy going to pay the bills. So that's still something that man can do. Man does that. God gives him permission. God gives him talent because he is the creator. He understands building things. He built the earth and the sky and the moon and the stars and the sun, all in perfect order. He, he decided we're going to need plants. We're going to need plants that, that will grow things like corn and corn on the cob. Isn't that wonderful this time of year? We love our corn on the cob. It'll soon be over. But in the meantime, we're going to enjoy it. Butter, salt, and corn. It's great. God is good to give us these wonderful things, wonderful blessings, the blessing of food. We love food. It's great. We appreciate it, especially when you're home all the time. We really appreciate it. We're not home all the time, but we're home part of the time. Where do you do your social thing, your social uh, visitations? I go to Walmart. I go down to the mall before it opens, and I go to Costco. Social experience with people you don't even know, but you can talk to them. The other morning, I, I, I welcomed, the, or I said good morning to the, to the lady that, that uh, cleans the, uh, the glass at, at the mall, down here at Clackamas Mall, and I greeted her in Spanish. I was very remarkable. She's from the Philippines. How did I know? Anyway, I'm going to have to get some lessons, Brother Arthur, find out how to say good morning. She was very kind. She was very kind. God created man. That's a marvel. Have you ever created anything? Not really. You've made things, and we marvel at the things that we make. We're, we're so astonished, and we show it off. You know, you, you get the new car, you get the, the new something, and you, you've got to show somebody. It's no fun just to sit there and look at it all by yourself. Who cares if you look at it by yourself? You want to show somebody what you, what, you, what you did. I guess that's just the way God made us. We do like to show things that we've done. But in reality, maybe we're just showing off what God does with people. And maybe that's okay. You see, he made man in his own image, in his own likeness. Have you ever thought about that? Was he talking about the way we would look? Or was he talking about the spiritual way we would be? Because people come in all, all ways. So it, it can't be necessarily, and besides, what was he going to manufacture a, a man from at that time? This was the first man. This was the beginning. So the first man looked like the first man, and the first lady looked like the first lady, as God had designed it to be. But within, within those people was the likeness of God, the image of God, the power of God, the love of God dwelled within them, and that they could live a beautiful life in, a, in the most fabulous garden ever thought of. Have you wondered about that garden? It must have been huge. It must have been bigger than any garden ever imagined in all of history. I'm just sure that it was because God does things in a really big way and he wants to impress. He wants to impress people like Adam and Eve 
so that they will give him praise. And they, they will honor him as the God of heaven, as a creator. Do not forget, God is a creator. We're fortunate to be in that line. We weren't created. We were born. And we came on the scene many, many years after the first, um, first parents, you might say. And here we are in all all the shapes and sizes that, that prevail. All the wisdom and the knowledge that God has given you. We've studied, some have studied hard in school, and some have sat back and tried to absorb it. And uh, some of us had longer bus rides than others. Did you know that you can't do much homework on a 10-mile bus ride? It's not adequate. You really should do a little more than that. Didn't work for me that well last few years of high school. But I got out of high school, I got out of there, and then the remedial time came. I thought maybe I better revisit some of those lessons that I missed. It was good for me. God gives us some, something that causes us to, to, to desire uh, knowledge. We want to know a little bit more each day, and, and, and school time is like, it's just not the same school because we're, we're so young. We don't quite grasp everything. We grasp it fast, but we don't realize how much we're going to need it later on. Eventually, we get around to that. Thankfully, the Lord has mercy. Another thing that God did for Adam, he made him to have dominion over everything. He gave him the authority God backed up Adam and said, you are authorized. I'm giving you dominion over all the animals, all of this. You can enjoy it. It's a pleasurable thing for you, but I am giving you the authority to be in charge now. God did that for Adam, and Adam took charge. He took the responsibilities, naming animals. Can you imagine that? I've just been created, and now I've got to start naming animals? How am I going to come up with that idea? God showed him how to do it because he did it, and he did it perfectly. Later on, you see in Ecclesiastes something that brings you back to this chapter. In Ecclesiastes 12.1, he says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. That's what we should do. That's what I believe is highly recommended here for us to remember in our youth, our creator. Now, what happens when we do that? If you remember your creator in your youth, you will probably remember your creator throughout your whole life. You will recall that God is superior to everything and that God is mighty and powerful and good and that he loves people. He created the first ones and he made possible that all the rest could come in line. God made people valuable. Did you know that? You are valuable. You are extremely valuable and extremely important to God. Don't ever let anybody tell you otherwise because God made you valuable. You know how I know that? Many years later, Jesus went to the cross. He paid a supreme price he died for you, for me. 
He paid full price. It wasn't a discount. He wasn't paying a price for discounted people. He was paying full price, his life, that we would recognize that we can be redeemed by the blood of Jesus. So you're valuable. You're valuable because you've been paid for with a price beyond price. You can't put a price on it. It is literally priceless what Jesus did to make a difference in your life and in every man and woman and child on the planet that would ever be born in this world or not even born in this world, but would be recognized by a loving, caring Savior, Jesus, reached out to, to you and to me. A number of years ago, came across a book by Philip Keller called Lessons from a Sheepdog. I know I've talked about this before, but always was intriguing to me. This man, Philip Keller, lived up in, on Vancouver Island, uh, north in, in Canada, north of, of Port Angeles and, well, quite a ways north. Anyway, he lived there. He was, a, he was a, basically a shepherd at one point, and he had some sheep, and he needed a dog. He saw an advertisement in the newspaper there, and it said, wanted a good country home for purebred border collie, chases cars and bicycles. So, sounded like a pretty good deal. I don't think he, that there was any fee. He didn't even charge him anything for this dog if he would take it. So he drove on down to where this location was, came to this house, talked to the lady that owned the, owned the dog, and eventually they got around to the fact that he wanted to see the dog, you know? So they walked around to the back of this, this little house there, it's house where the, where the dog was, and here's this dog. It's chained to an iron post. And then it was chained from its neck to, to its rear, one of its rear legs it was kind of shackled and it, it was just a horrible situation and it growled at, at, at him when he moved toward it. And so he made a deal with the lady that he would take the dog under certain circumstances and he laid them out to her and then if things didn't work out he was going to bring it back in about six weeks, going to bring that dog back. But he took the dog, got it in his car somehow, got it in the back seat of the car, and he, every now and then, if you ever had a dog in the car, you, sometimes you reach around to the back, you know. But I'm thinking, this dog, I don't know. He knew his dogs. He reached around, and the dog would growl and, and do things. So he didn't, he didn't get too close to the dog. Got him home, took a while, got him home. He had evidently prepared a nice bed, and he had water, and he had good food there for the dog, and he... he put the dog in that space, whatever it was, where the dog could, could be safe. And the dog wouldn't eat, wouldn't drink, and it just got worse and worse. It looked like it was going to die. So he figured he had to do something. So one day, he just unleashed it and let it go. And it took off and it straight to the forest. And he figured, well, that's it. But he was the kind of person that was interested in what became of this dog. So he'd ask the neighbors, he'd drive up and down the roads looking for the dog. And then one day, couldn't find it, but one day he noticed way out there in the distance, the dog had laid down out there and he hollered to it, called it Lass. His name was Lassie, but he called this girl 
less. And the dog took off. So he began to take water and food out to that spot there where he saw the dog. And, and how do you, what, do you, what do you suppose? The food disappeared. The water disappeared. The dog was eating it now. So time went by. One day he was standing there admiring, I guess, the, I think I, I recall the sun was setting. It was near the ocean there, off the Pacific Ocean. And he was kind of his hands behind his back, just kind of watching the sun go down. And he feels this wet nose touch his hands. Oh, boy. Lass is back. And from then on, there was hope. And he began to work with the dog as the dog became friends with him. And he trained it, trained it. A border collie is one of the smartest, smartest dogs in, among dogs. Very smart dog. I suppose if it could read, it could probably do really well on the SATs, but dogs usually can't read. But this dog was very, very smart. And he tells about that in his book, how smart that dog was and what he would do and, and handle the sheep. He was great with the sheep. They're very good with sheep, and that's what this Border Collie was, was bred for in the first place. You see, God designs things like that, even dogs. He creates dogs, I guess you could say he creates dogs like that. He creates them with, with a purpose, and, 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 and you don't chain them up. They're not designed to be chained up. Probably would eventually die if they're chained up like that forever. But God has a perfect plan, even for a dog. Kind of like people. Sometimes sin takes over a person's life and it chains you up. It just wraps you up in chains. It binds you. You, you think you're doing what you want to do. Oh, you're going to have fun with the, with the boys, with the girls, with whatever. You're just going to have a lot of fun in life. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, all right. But it doesn't, very, it doesn't usually last very long. That's the thing about sin. It's very inviting for a while. But you're in chains, really. And the only way to get those chains broken is for Jesus, the Son of God, by his precious blood to reach down and to save that person, save us from our sins and set us free, that we can have liberty to live the life God intended us to live. He gives each of us different talents, that's for sure. Some of us can do some things and some of us do other things, but it's a good thing we'd all do the same thing. I'm glad we don't all do the same thing. Can you imagine the horrible competition? Everybody did the same thing. God knew best. Make us all a little bit different so that we all have different talents for different types of work and different types of life, even in the gospel, even in the church. Wouldn't it be something if everybody was incredible at the piano, like Sister Janice? Sister Janice would, you know, okay, it's my turn now. There's 27 more to come. We'll let them go the next 27, phone, uh, next 27 numbers. It wouldn't work very well, would it? God knows all this stuff beforehand. Did you have to contact him when he was creating man and help him figure this stuff out? Me neither. He never got a hold of me because I wasn't here. Even years later, he never, he never checks in to see what my plans are that he would think would be a good idea for him to come up with. God knows what to come up with, and he knows what will work best. God created man. 
in his own image. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he would pass on to us and what we would need to live in this life. And best of all, to live as a Christian in this life. What a difference when Jesus came in, right? It was awesome. It was wonderful. Isaiah 40, verse 28 says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There's no searching of his understanding. It's good to research these scriptures, to go and find them, because it kind of fortifies the idea that we remember the Creator, that we recall the Creator, that we recognize that uh, we need Him. We need Him daily. We need His presence. We need to be able to pray and to talk to Him and, to, and just lay it all out before God and say, you understand this better than I do, Lord. Fix it, please, or whatever you say. I think we all pray a little bit differently, don't we? Some people pray loud, some people pray soft, but it all works just fine. It, walk, it works very, very well. He's the everlasting God, everlasting. He doesn't faint, he doesn't get weary, he doesn't get tired, and there's no searching of his understanding. He understands everything. Sometimes I think people get to the point where they think God missed something. He forgot. No, I didn't forget. He was tired. He wasn't tired, doesn't get tired. He, he, he zones in specifically on the need at hand, and he's handling the situation when you don't even know it's, he's dealing with it. He's working on it. It's not hard for God. It's hard for us because we're not very patient sometimes. We want things to be fixed right now. Hurry, please. And we might tell the Lord that too. Hurry, please. There's stuff that needs to be done. Heal our sister, heal our brother. Touch this one. Make a difference in these lives. Save this one from their sins. Help them to realize how valuable they are to God. You know, that value thing just carries through. Sometimes... We are, we are valuable to the Lord, but other people don't see us that valuable. They might pick on us in school because they don't recognize the fact that we have value in the sight of God. And I can't tell you exactly what you can do except pray that the Lord will give you grace in time of weariness, in time of, of need. He'll step on the scene, but we recognize the fact that Jesus paid it all there's a verse found in Luke, chapter 12, verse 7. I think we're all familiar with it. It says, but every, but even, Jesus, this is a quote from Jesus, but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Thought about that. Hair is pretty thin, pretty small. How do you number all the hairs of your head? I mean, they do things now with lasers. It's incredible. But God figured this out a long time ago. Does he have a numbering system for hair? He probably does. Jesus said, all those hairs are numbered. So he must have a system that, that numbers all the hairs of your head. Can you imagine that? Some of us save a lot of time in heaven. And that's okay. But then he goes on to say, fear not, therefore. 
Ye are of more value than many sparrows. More value? More value? God's people are always of more value. People are of more value than sparrows. Sparrows are great. They're wonderful and all of that, but people have more value than sparrows. Listen to the words that Jesus spoke. Take them to heart. Rehearse them. Remember them. Draw them close to you because they will fortify you in the day of dilemma. Because dilemmas do come along, that's for sure. Have you ever seen a hummingbird? Not for very long. Those birds are fast. I think I read that they can fly up to 49 miles per hour in a dive. That's pretty fast. I've never run that fast, have you? I don't think anybody can. Not people, anyway. Can't, you can go 49 miles per hour in the car, but to try to run 49 miles per hour, you'd have to be falling off a cliff or something. But these little hummingbirds, they're incredible. I was at the hospital one day in Medford, and the nurse got a hold of me. She says, come on over here. Come here. She just looked out. We looked out the window uh, on about a third floor, if I remember right. And there was a nest of hummingbirds. Did you know hummingbirds are small? But they're even smaller when they're babies. It was incredible to just see those little tiny hummingbirds. And I think mama came by to feed them while we were looking out the window. Incredible. God's perfect design. Did he contact you to help design a hummingbird? Didn't contact me either. But he knows how to put together brain and everything and make the wings work right. And they are so fast and they, they eat really fast. I, I, aren't they the ones that eat so much, almost twice their, their weight in a day? Incredible. Wouldn't that be fun? Not really. <laughs> I don't think so. That wouldn't be so much fun. But for a hummingbird, it's great. Hummingbirds are awesome. When you see the next hummingbird, think about your creator. Think about our creator. Back there with Adam and Eve when he was working out all the details of this brand new world. Starting the clocks, beginning the time. Time to begin this old world that it would circle around. Have you ever gone to the park, these uh, city parks? I guess people do that. And have these things that go around and around and around, and you, and you put somebody on there, and then you make them go around and around until they get sick. Well, they don't have to get sick, but I mean, you try to get off of it before you get sick. But the idea is, it, you know, just the whole idea of, of, of riding around on that thing, it, it's, it's going so fast. How about that? God put together this earth. We're doing something like 1,100 miles per hour right now, and you're sitting still. Amazing. And we're not falling off. Gravity. God invented gravity. He invented perfect gravity. It's wonderful, isn't it, what God has done? Think about your creator. Remember your creator all of your life. Remember what he has done. He cares so much about us. He cared about that poor old dog. Revived a dog that was in chains. Think about what he's done in your life. He broke the chains. He broke the chains of sin in your life, and he set you free. What a wonderful thing to remember. Remember what the Lord has done. Remember it often. Thank him often. Give him praise. Give him glory. Give him honor. We come before his presence with singing, and we're going to do that now. 
Let's stand and sing a song, number 480, and we'll be dismissed shortly.